Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the Word of God. And as you stand out, I need to make one very quick announcement. We brought someone on to our leadership team out of Calvary in New Smyrna. This is meeting a need for our church, for our men. And I've asked a man of God to be over our men's ministry, and I gave him a week to think about it and to pray about it. So get ready, because I believe that God is about to do something in the men of this house. I've asked Brother Vernon Curran. Vernon, will you just kind of wave your hand to the church? And he is humbly accepted as our new men's director. I'm so excited to see what God is going to do. We are already planning some men's conferences. We're wanting some men's gatherings. We want God to take the men of Calvary and New Smyrna to new heights in 2015. So get ready because God's doing something in this house. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. I want to conclude today our February series that we've entitled In His Presence. How many's enjoyed this series this month? How many's thinking that 2015 is truly the year of God's presence? I believe that anything can happen in the presence of God. And what I have been praying this year is that God would move us from the outer court. Come on, somebody. I pray that he would bypass us through the inner court. And I pray that he would bring us straight into the holy of holies in 2015. Now, I need you to get ready, church, because I've got a word from God that I want to give to this house. I was going in a completely different direction on Friday. I had another word that I wanted to give to this church. But listen, at 4 o'clock on Friday, the Lord said, you ain't going anywhere because I've got a word that I want to give to this house. So I need you to get ready because I'm about to deliver what I believe is an on-time rhema word for you. How many are ready to receive everything that God wants to say to you and to your families today? I believe that God is about to take this church higher. Come on, somebody. I believe that God is about to release the supernatural power of Jesus in this place in a new way. Come on, y'all. I believe that the Bible says that there are levels of God's glory. It's in 1 Corinthians. And I believe that God is wanting to take this church into another level, into another realm of the glory of God. I have been praying that the Shekinah glory of God would fall in our house today. That we would visibly see the presence of God in our lives. Come on y'all. Listen. I don't want to just have church as normal. I don't want to just go home today and say, you know what? I went to church. I feel good. Maybe I won't go again for another couple of weeks. Come on somebody. I want God to do something in this place. And what we're going to do today is I'm going in, into a new series in the month of March. And today, we're going to kind of tie in 
our February series with our March series. So I've entitled today this, this message this, In His Presence, Awakening. I've been praying for an awakening in New Smyrna Beach. I've been praying for an awakening in our people's lives. I believe that God wants to awaken a generation in this church. I believe that God is wanting to awaken an entire region to have revival. I want revival in 2015. Let me tell you something. I don't want to be on that property unless God's presence is already there. I don't want to go anywhere unless the presence of God, it meets me there. i got to have his presence this year. Come on, y'all. How many would say, that's me, Pastor. i got to have his presence this year. Lord, awaken me in Jesus' name. Now, the Bible says this in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 1. We read about a man by the name of Saul. In verse 1, the Bible says this, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, the way right there is the movement. The way right there is you and me. The way right there are the believers. The way right there are the sold-out radical Christians. The way right there are the followers of a risen Savior. That's the way right there. Is there anybody in the sanctuary today that is of the way this morning? I'm of the way. Whether men or women, so that he might bring them bound. Look to your neighbor and say bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Verse 6. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Isn't it, isn't it awesome how the presence of God automatically just begins to change the motive of the heart? What do you want me to do? That's my prayer in 2015. What do you want me to do this year, God? I just want to do anything that you want me to do. I don't want, I don't want to do what man wants me to do. I want to do what God wants me to do this year. Come on, somebody. Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7, And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless. I'm just looking for people to stand speechless this year. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But then they led him by the hand, and they went ahead and brought him into Damascus, the same city that he was about to go in and persecute. He went in blinded, but he had his eyes open. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Father, I pray that you'd add the blessing of the reading of your holy word. God, I pray today that we'll be in your presence, and I pray that there will be awakenings in somebody today. Lord, we pray that lives will be changed. I don't want to go home the same way that I walked in. I said, I don't want to go home the same way I walked in. I said, I don't want to go home the same way that I walked in. 
I want to go home knowing I've been in the presence of the Most High God. Give us your presence today, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, if you're ready to receive all that God has in store for you, look to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Praise the Lord. You might be seated in the place today. How many is thankful for the Word of God? As I said just a few moments ago, I received a word at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon. Now, my office hours means that I leave on Fridays at 4.30. So you can imagine me sitting there automatically receiving a word from God, something that was being downloaded into my spirit at 4 o'clock when I was supposed to leave 30 minutes later. I said, thank you, Lord. I received the word, but could it came a little bit sooner? <laughs> Come on. But I believe that God has an on-time word for this place. You see, I'm talking to a place of remnant believers. I'm talking to some people that said, you know what? It would have been easy for me to skip out on church today because I already know going into Daytona 500 Sunday, there's going to be people, there's going to be families that say, I can't make it to church. And you know what? Some of them, they probably have some good reasons. But I'm looking to some people that said, you know what? It could have been easy for me to skip out today, but I just got to have more of God. I just got to be in His presence. I just got to worship with other believers. The Bible says, this, I don't want to forsake the gathering of the assembly. We gather once a week. That's it. That's all we gather. I don't want to forsake that. I don't want to turn my back on that. It would have been very easy for me today to call out and say, you know what? I just want to go home. I just want to do nothing. I'll go to church next week. Let me tell you something, friend. It's a slow fade. If you can do it one Sunday, then guess what? The, the next week, it's going to get a little bit easier for you to call out again until you don't have any conviction for missing any services in the house. I, I'm talking to some people today that's remnant. I'm talking to, to, to some people today that said, I got to have the things of God. I'm talking to some people of God today that says this, I showed up so that he could show out. I, I'm talking to some people today that said, I want to be part of the way movement. I, I want to be a part of, of the remnant. I want to be a part of the way. I, I got to be in his presence in 2015. Am I talking to anybody in the house today that's a part of the way? I'm a part of the way. Look to your neighbor and say, you're a part of the way. Hashtag way. Come on, somebody. Hashtag way NSB. Hallelujah. Don't even know what that means. Here we go. We come to our text this morning, and I believe at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, the Lord gave me some divine insight into a very familiar passage. How many has ever read this passage before? I've read this passage numerous times. I've read through the book of Acts numerous times. I read through the book of Acts once I received the call from Pastor Rayleigh that said, hey, if you want the job, you and Jackie can have the job. I read through the book of Acts then because I wanted to be an Acts church. I want to pastor an Acts church church. The Bible says this, that there is a book called Acts. You know what that means? It's a church of action. I don't want to just sit on my blessed assurance and serve Jesus. 
I'm going to copy Pastor Rayleigh right then. Some hineys got tight in the house of God when I said that. I don't want to just sit on my blessed assurance and say, well, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus, but don't expect me to do anything about it. When you read through the Bible and you look specifically in the book of Acts, you see a bunch of sold-out believers in Jesus. They said, Jesus, you have changed me, so therefore I feel the need to go and change some others. I don't want to just come to church and get fed. I want to come to church so that I get fired up to go feed other people. Somebody in the house, I'm about to take my shoe off and throw it at Pastor TJ. Come on. Now, to understand this passage of Scripture, we got to look a little bit deeper into what's going on. We find a man through, through the beginning of Acts chapter 9, a man by the name of Saul. Saul is introduced a few verse or a few chapters earlier through the stoning of Stephen in Jerusalem. It's not much that law that that uh, I'm trying to think of the correct word. It's not that not farther past. Uh, hooked on phonics didn't work for me, baby. Come on, somebody. It's not that much past the upper room experience that we find in Acts chapter 2. So there's already a movement of Jesus followers going on in Jerusalem. Okay, somebody. We're already through the feast of Pentecost. Pentecost has already happened. There's 120 people in the upper room with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We're past that. The, the movement has grown. And the same people that crucified Jesus, are the same people alive and well in Acts chapter 9. They said, we've got to shut this thing down. We've already crucified Jesus. We thought we won then, but the followers are still talking. The followers of Jesus aren't shutting up, which makes me wonder why in the New Testament church nearly 2,000 years later are the followers of Jesus shutting up? Come on, somebody. When we got homosexual marriage being rampant, when we're killing innocent babies and we say it's the mother's choice, why are the followers of Jesus shutting up? This is the time. This is our moment. This is the time that we stand up and say, you know what? The world has got questions, but guess what? I've got an answer. The answer's name is J-E-S-U-S, somebody. And we find here a man by the name of Saul. Saul is introduced a few chapters earlier at the stoning of Stephen. He's introduced there. He's literally basically the coat bearer. He says, for all of the hierarchy in the church, I'm going to be there. I'll hold your coat. Don't you worry. Pick up a rock and throw it at an innocent person just for following the same man that we crucified a few months ago. I'll be there. I'll hold your coat. And the Bible says that a man by the name of Saul looked on. Now, this is the same man. He, he must have been there at the stoning of Stephen and said, you know what? That looks good. I can do that. I, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get all the Christians. And, and he goes to the hierarchy. He goes to the leadership. He goes to Caiaphas, and he says, guess what? I, I want to go out, and I want to do the same thing that you did to Stephen. Let me go out and throw some rocks. I wonder how many rock throwers we have in the place today. We got too many people that throw rocks in the house of God nowadays, don't we? We got people that throw rocks over sound. 
We got people that throw rocks over how we look. We got people that throw rocks over the music. We got people that throw rocks and say, well, how come we can't do it this way? Why does the color of the carpet look this way? Well, I think the sanctuary needs to look this way. I, I think the foyer needs to look this way. I don't care how it looks. As long as we bring glory to Jesus, who cares? And he says, I'm going to go out. I can throw some rocks. And he says, I, I want to go past Jerusalem. Let me go to Damascus. What makes me wonder, why is he going past Jerusalem? Are all the Christians already shut up in Jerusalem? Are, are there any Christians left in Jerusalem that's being persecuted? Is there anybody that says, you know what? You may have gotten my brother and my sister, but I'm still here. You, you may have gotten somebody in my family, but I'm still here. You may have gotten some of my friends that follow Jesus, but but I'm still here. So guess what I'm saying today? Satan, you can't shut me up. You may try. You can be like the big bad wolf and huff and puff and try and blow this house down. But guess what? I serve a Jesus who's greater. I'm still here. And he goes to the leaders of the church and he says, I want to go to Damascus and I want to start throwing some rocks at some people. Now, Saul, he, he even says in, in the book of Timothy, his spiritual son, that he himself says, I'm a murderer. I'm the lowest of the low. This was the leader of the persecution of the church. This was a devout Jew, but he was a believer in the law over being a believer in Jesus. You know you need an encounter with Jesus when you go to church, but you don't even believe what's going on. God, give us awakening in 2015. I've been praying that in 2015 we'll have some godly encounters. I've been praying this year that we get some people convinced that Jesus Christ is alive. I've been praying that this year the Holy Spirit would show up in our services and he'll just begin to change some people. I've been praying this year that we got some people, they fall down the Spirit, that's great. I'm not interested in you falling down the Spirit. I'm interested in how you're going to live for Jesus once you get back up, somebody. Come on. And as Saul is on the way to Damascus, all of a sudden, he has an encounter. The same man, the leader of the insurrection, the leader of the persecution, the one that he himself has said, I'm a murderer. I'm the lowest of the low. He has an encounter. I'm so thankful because that gives me a little bit of hope. Amen, pastor. That's good. Hallelujah. That, that gives me a little bit of hope in 2015, that no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what you've said, no matter what you thought, no matter the actions that you have done in the past, I'm thankful that if Jesus Christ can encounter a man like Saul, then that means that Jesus can encounter a man like me. Praise God. If Saul is on the way to Damascus, he has an encounter. The only reason that he's headed to Damascus is that in verse 2, the Bible says that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Essentially, he thinks that he is God's instrument to go to all the Christians now in Damascus to bring them back to Jerusalem bound. Can I tell you this? You know you need an awakening 
when you look at every other person's chains and forget about your own. You know you need an awakening when you look at everybody else's faults and you forget about your own. You know you need an encounter with the living Jesus when you look at everybody else's sins and you forget about your own. Why do I worship differently? Why do Pentecostals worship just a little bit differently? Because with the same hands that were bound, Jesus Christ had the key to unlock those chains. And so I lift my hands in freedom knowing that Jesus Christ has saved me from my sins. All the while, this is the man who was bound. All the while, this was the man who was in chains. You can always tell the ones who's been in the presence because they, they, they live their lives a little bit differently, don't they? they? They worship a little bit differently, don't they? They talk just a little bit differently, don't they? They, they just walk just a little bit differently, don't they? I, I want to be one of those peculiar people. I want somebody to just walk past me and say, hey, what's different about you? I, I want to go to Walmart when I'm in the checkout line. You know, I'm buying up 10 gallons of milk like I have to every week. Come on, somebody. Milk's expensive nowadays. We can lower the price of gas. We can't lower the price of milk. I prophesy, God, in 2015, lower milk price. Jesus' name. I want to be in that checkout line and say, hey, what, what's different about you? Oh, you talking to me? Yeah, what's different about you? I serve Jesus. I, I'm no better and I'm no worse than you. I, I just serve Jesus. You know what's different about me? I got Jesus inside of me. You know what's different about me? Is I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't go to a church that tries to put the Spirit in a back room. I don't go to church and try to shut up the Spirit. I go to church and I say, hey, Holy Spirit, if you want to talk, I'll shut up. I, I just go to a church and say, Spirit of God, I want you to be the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. You're talking to me. You want to know what's different about me? I've had an encounter. I've had an awakening with the presence of Most High God. Somebody say yes. We move on. And the Bible says in verse 3, that as he journeyed, he came to Damascus. The Bible says that as he journeyed, he, he came near to Damascus. So we can read into the scripture and we can, we can say this after we've been educated that he's almost there, but he's still journeying. He's on his way. He, he's on the outskirts. He, he came near He's right outside town, but he's not there yet. Am I talking to anybody that's journeying? Am I talking to anybody that's still on the road? Am I talking to anybody that says, you know what? I'm still walking it out. I'm not there yet, but thank God I'm not at the beginning anymore. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful that I'm on the outskirts. I'm thankful that, guess what, I'm near the city. I'm going to go in this time. I'm going to go past the inner court. I'm going to move, grow. I'm going to go straight into the holy of holies. I'm not at the start. I'm not at the, at the starting line anymore. I can see the finish line. Come on, somebody. And as he's almost there, he's journeying, he's on the road, but then Jesus shows up. Aren't you glad that Jesus shows up when you're on the journey? 
Aren't you glad that Jesus shows up in the middle of your circumstances? Have you ever been on the road when Jesus shows up? You see, his presence has a way of changing the road that you're on. Oh, come on. You see, you, you might have started out one way today, but I believe with all my heart that you're going to end up on another road. Oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. I'm prophesying over somebody today that you're going to go to bed tonight differently than you woke up this morning. I, I believe that when you leave this sanctuary, you're going to head home differently than you came in. I, I believe that in 2015, you're going to end this year a little bit stronger. I, I believe that this year, you're going to end up a little bit wiser. I, I believe that this year, the Lord's going to give you a little bit more peace this year. I, I believe this year that the Lord's going to give you a little bit more provision in 2015. I believe this year that the Lord's going to give you a little bit more favor. I believe I'm not there yet, but I'm on the outskirts. Come on, somebody. I see it. I may not be in there yet, but I'm on my way. I see the blessings of God, and I say, oh, God, with open arms, give me everything that you got for me this year. Somebody say, yes, Lord, if that's you. The only road I want to be on is one that leads me to Jesus. You see, God will do whatever he has to do to get your attention. You ever been in the middle of something, all of a sudden Jesus just gets your attention? You know what I'm talking about. All those people on social media. You might be on Facebook for the fifth hour of the day. You know what I'm talking about. Looking at the same old posts that you've been looking at for hours. I wonder if there's anything else new on today. And all of a sudden Jesus says, hey, why don't you search for me the same way that you're searching for other people's statuses? Oh. Why don't you look at me the same way that you're looking at those photos? Hallelujah. It got quiet up in this sanctuary. Why don't you heart me the same way that you heart Instagram? Hey, aren't you glad that you serve a God who will show up in the middle of what you're doing? In the middle of what you're doing, Jesus Christ just all of a sudden shows up and he just begins to speak into you. Am I talking to anybody out there today? I remember one day I was a youth pastor. And, and I, I love teenagers. I love them. I love them, Miss Megan. But I'm thankful I'm not a youth pastor anymore. I'm thankful I have youth pastors. But I'm thankful I'm no longer a youth pastor. I'm thankful I have you and Pastor TJ, but I'm thankful. That... And I remember that uh, we were on a youth trip. How many has ever been on one of those youth trips? You know what I'm talking about where the youth pastor on the last day of the trip says, Oh, God, if these teenagers do not shut up, I'm going to get out my gun. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, I'm a pastor. I'm not a saint. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it just got weird. And I remember being on one of those youth trips. We went to Gatlinburg at the end of every year, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and we would go up there and we would have just a special time of God's presence for five days in the mountains. But how many know five days with one time we brought 85 teenagers, five days with 85 teenagers. I remember coming home with gray hair just from that trip. Hey, it's true. I have to color my hair now because I've been a youth pastor. Oh, Jesus. And I remember all of a sudden I'm taking the kids shopping. There, there were some outlets in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, okay? And all the kids, they like to go shopping. You see, when I was a teenager, take me skiing. Take me ice skating. You know what I'm talking about. But with the boys nowadays, 
take me shopping. I'm like your little girl. You wear jeans tighter than girls nowadays. Come on. Pull your pants up. God, where's my gun? <laughs> and I remember being in the midst of all these teenagers. And, and you know that you're doing a pretty good job as a youth pastor when all the teenagers, want, they want to hang out with you. That's a good and a bad thing. The good thing is they want to hang out with you. The bad thing is they want to hang out with you. And I remember walking down the outlets, and I mean, there, there was hundreds of shops. You know, Fossil, Banana Republic, Old Navy, all these shops in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And I remember that I'm the youth pastor of the youth group. That every time our group saw each other, they'd go, hey! And all of a sudden, you hear almost 100 teenagers go, hey! In the middle of all the shoppers. I would have other people say, are you the youth pastor of this group? I'd be like, no, I have no idea who that is. You know, just must be over there somewhere. <laughs> just leave me alone. God, help me. I'm thankful I have youth pastors. <laughs> and I remember one of these trips, the Lord got a hold of me and said, this is the last trip that you're going to be on as a youth pastor. I, I was interviewing with two churches. Y'all have heard me. You know the story. I interviewed with a church in Georgia, but then all of a sudden, I get a text from a man of God by the name of Jim Rayleigh. And I remember the Lord spoke to me. I was, I was already in communication with Pastor Rayleigh as I was in Tennessee, and God spoke into me and said, this is going to be the last trip that you're ever on as a youth pastor. I want you to enjoy it because I'm about to elevate you and your wife's ministry. And I remember just being in the middle of, of my circumstance. I, I just remember being in the middle of a great service, hanging out with nearly 100 teenagers, and the Lord, he spoke into me and said, I want you to enjoy this because something different is on the horizon. I, I'm about to do something new inside of you. I, I want you to enjoy this, but this is the last time that you're going to experience this. I, I'm about to give you some new experiences. Church, I believe that God has been saying, to this house. I hope that you've enjoyed one accord. I, I hope that you've enjoyed 12 o'clock. I, I hope that you've liked it. I believe that we're the only church in America that has grown at 12 o'clock renting out somebody else's building. I believe that with all my heart. But I hope that you like that. I hope that you'd enjoy that. Because God is saying to this house, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to give you some new experiences. I'm about to take you to another level. Something that you've never only, something that you've only prayed about. Something you've only talked about. God says, I'm about to show up in the middle of your circumstance. And I'm about to move you past it in Jesus name God do it do it God hallelujah how many received that today you're on the journey you're not there yet but you're on your way look at your neighbor and say I'm not there yet but I'm on my way and I got to move quickly here in verse 3 and verse 4 of Acts chapter 9 as we move past who saw really was. As we see what he's trying to do, the Bible says in verse 3, and suddenly as he's on the road, a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice. 
Can I tell you today, there was somebody in that light. I'm thankful today that I've seen the light. I'm thankful today that the light has been turned on in my life. I'm thankful today that I don't live in darkness any longer. I'm thankful today that Jesus Christ is the light. Can I tell you this morning that his presence is the light? You want his presence, you find the light. Can I tell you today that Jesus Christ is the light? The Bible says this in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And what the world needs a little bit more of right now, they need a little bit more light. Can I tell you that if you're lost, you need to find the light? Can I tell you that if you're in darkness, you need to find the light? Can I tell you, are you scared? Are you nervous? You need to find the light. Are you fearful? You need to find the light. Are you hurting? You got to find the light. Are you bound? Can I tell you somebody? Find the light. Are you broken? Can I tell you today, Jesus is the light. Are you confused? Can I tell you somebody in the sanctuary that Jesus is the light? Do you want the presence in 2015? Then find the light. Somebody give God some praise in the house. The Bible says this, that once Saul, he, he found the light. The Bible says that he fell to his knees. Can I tell you, finding Jesus makes you fall on your knees. Some of the greatest leaders in my life today, some of the greatest leaders in our movement today are the ones that have fallen on their knees. If you give me a man or a woman who has bent their knee to Jesus, I promise you we'll be able to change a city for Jesus. I, I'm looking for some people that say, I don't mind getting on my knees for Jesus. I'm not going to get on my knees for the world anymore. I'm not going to get on my knees for the ways of the world anymore. If I'm going to submit, come on somebody, there's blessings in your submission. If I'm going to submit, if I'm going to get on my knees, it's only going to be for Jesus in 2015. Am I talking to anybody that says Jesus Christ brings me to my knees this year? In verse 6, I'm hurrying church. Are you enjoying this message? Verse 6, the Bible says this, that Saul, once he saw the light, he fell on his knees. He asked the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? How many has ever asked the Lord that question? How many has ever asked the Lord, God, what do you want me to do? I remember that on one day, I was, Pastor Jackie and I have been here for about a month or two, and all of a sudden, I get a guy that I've met, but I really don't know. He doesn't knock on my door. He just walks right in my door. His name is Pastor T.J. Jones. And he just walks in, sits down. I remember I'm reading or something. I'm on my phone. I'm reading. And I look up and I'm like, can I help you? <laughs> you know? And he said, listen, you don't know me, but I want to help you. You don't know me, but I want to help the church. You don't know me, and I don't know what I can do, but there's got to be something that I can do in New Smyrna Beach. I'm thankful for people like T.J. Jones. I'm thankful for people 
like Jeff Squibbs. I'm thankful for people like Roger Remillard. I'm thankful for people like Dale Tan. I'm thankful today for people like Mike Peterson. I'm thankful today for people like Bob Cole, who yesterday on a Saturday got up at 6 o'clock in the morning to get ready for a yard sale. I'm thankful that there's been some men of God in this sanctuary that said, I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything for me to do? Can I tell you that the work is great, but serving Jesus is even greater. Can I tell you that the work, it, it might be massive, but can I tell you it's not just for one man to do. The Lord said this, that my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. The work might be a little too much for you, but guess what? It's not too much for me. I wonder if there's anybody in the sanctuary today as we're headed into the rest of the year in 2015, as we're looking at a sign-up month in the month of March for people to get busy doing the things of God in 2015. I wonder if there's anybody in the sanctuary that asks the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? Here's Saul, the, the leader of the persecution, a believer in the law, but not of Jesus, a murderer, a bad man, someone himself who deserves death. But can I tell you, an encounter with Jesus changes everything. I said an encounter with Jesus, it changes everything. I just want to encounter Jesus. See, I, I don't care about your past. We can sit on, on our pew this morning, and we can act like we got it going on. How many has ever acted like that in church? Come on, somebody. I'm about to do an altar call right now. Hey, you can act like you got it going on. You can sing like you're spiritual. You might even be on key, unlike me. Hey, don't you say amen. You can sing, you can raise your hands, you can have your Sunday best on. And on the outside, everybody probably thinks, well, my Lord, God has been good in that person's life. I wonder what they're doing because whatever they're doing, I need to start doing. Hey, what you're doing, I need to start doing that. But guess what? On the inside, you're breaking apart. On the inside, it's not the same way that you appear on the outside. I don't care about your past. I don't care if you act like you got it going on. Ain't nobody in this sanctuary, can I tell you today, is better than the person in front of you or behind you or to the left of you or to the right of you. There's not black that's greater than what? There's not white that's greater than black. Can I tell you today, we all serve Jesus Christ in the house. I don't care what color your skin is, but I do care if you love Jesus Christ in the sanctuary. Hey! You see, we all need an encounter with Jesus. I want you to notice right here as I'm beginning to close now that the Bible says that as he asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? He, he, he's still on the road. Nothing has changed. He's still on the same road to Damascus. But all of a sudden, as he's on the road, his motive begins to change. You see, his presence has a way of changing your destiny. His presence has a way of changing 
your future. He went from a road of persecution to a road of God's presence. And I'll take a road of God's presence over a road of persecution any day of the week. I want you to notice here today, this morning, that Saul was becoming the very thing that he set out to destroy. I want to live a life, you see, that Satan wants to destroy. Oh, Jesus. Ain't nobody saying anything to me this morning. That's good, somebody. I want to live my life in a way that Satan says, Oh, God, Eric Danner is awake. I want to live my life in a way where Satan says, i got to shut him up. I don't know what to do. I've thrown this at him, and I've thrown that at him. Ain't nothing working. Does anybody have an idea? we got to take him out. we got to destroy him. I want to live my life in a way that where my church, every time we get in the morning, Satan says, oh, no. Calvary in New Smyrna is up. The movement continues. The way is growing. Revival is falling. I don't know what to do. I don't have a plan. See, I, I want you to know today that I, I'm not set out to destroy man's kingdom. When people come up to me and they say, I go to this church and I go to that church. I was at the yard sale yesterday and I met probably 50 people and they all went to 50 different churches. I'm thankful for all the churches in the area. And here's the deal. If they love God and they're in it to get people saved, I'll work with them all day long. Come on, somebody. And I never want my church to grow off of somebody else's harvest. If we're going to grow as a church, can I tell you this today? We're going to grow off the lost. We're going to grow off the sinners. I don't want to grow off the saints that attend somebody else's church. I want to grow off the people that has never even heard Jesus. I, I work with anybody that loves God and wants to serve Jesus, but I'm not set out to destroy some other person's church. I'm not out to set out somebody else's work. I'm out to shut up Satan. I'm out to bankrupt Satan. I'm out, I'm out today to depopulate hell and populate heaven. I'm out today and I want to destroy the enemy's kingdom. You see, I got my heart set on revival in 2015. I'm looking for a fresh move of the spirit. I want a city to be taken back for the sake and the cause of Jesus. I'm wanting some people that they came in Saul, but they're leaving some Pauls in Jesus' name. Is there anybody that says that lines up with me? Is there anybody that says I want that this year? Come on, somebody say yes. See, his presence, it has a way of changing you. And now as I close this morning, the Bible says this in verse 8. Then Saul arose from the ground. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. Saul gets up, still on the road, still on the way to Damascus. And all of the guys that's traveling with him, they, they hear someone's voice, but they don't see what Saul is seeing. And all of a sudden, this encounter with Jesus, it stops. And Saul gets up, the Bible says, and when he opens up his eyes, he doesn't see a thing. When he opens up his eyes, he doesn't see the light anymore. 
When he opens up his eyes, he doesn't see anything but darkness. And I'm here to tell you today that to have your eyes truly opened means that you see no one but Jesus. Oh, Lord. You see, God has a way of taking away your vision and making it his vision. Oh, Lord. Ain't nobody saying a word to me this morning. You see, God has a way of closing your eyes to the things of this world. You see, God has a way of saying, all right, you see what all the, uh, of, of man sees, but that's not of me. I, I'm going to close your eyes, and I'm going to let you start to see what I see. I, I just want to see what God sees in, in 2015. Now, as I continue to close, Ben, would you come? Hurry. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 9. It continues that after his experience in Damascus, that the followers of Saul, they bring him into the city. And the Bible says that as he's in the city for three days, he doesn't eat and he doesn't drink. He's just going around to anybody that will listen. Can you tell me a little bit more about Jesus? I need to know a little bit more about Jesus. And all the while, there's a man by the name of Ananias. Now, it's not Ananias and Sapphira. They're dead, all right? But this is another Ananias. And the Lord lays upon a man by the name of Ananias' heart to go and pray for a man by the name of Saul. And at first, Ananias is like, yo, God, this, this guy will straight up shoot me. He'll pop a cap up in me. This is thug life. I don't want to go anywhere near this homeboy. I'm so ghetto. And he says, I don't want to go around him. This is the leader of the insurrection. This is the leader of the persecution. If I go around him, bye-bye, Ananias. But can I tell you, the Lord has a plan that goes beyond our human intellect. The Lord sees what we can't see. And so Ananias, doing what God wants him to do, there's a sermon right there in itself. Doing what God wants him to do. He goes to the house that Saul is staying at. And he says, I'm here to pray over you. And the Bible says this in Acts chapter 9, verse 18, that as Ananias prayed for his eyesight, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once I want you to look at your neighbor and say immediately look at your other neighbor and say immediately and it goes on from verse 18 now to verse 20 watch this and immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues I want you to notice there in two verses the Bible says that immediately he received his sight and as soon as he received his sight immediately he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ this was the same man y'all this was Saul this was the man who killed Christians this was the man who set out to have believers bound but as soon as God got a hold of him come on y'all 
I need you to play something that will get me going. As soon as God got a hold of him, immediately something changed inside of him. The Bible says that immediately his eyes, that something fell off of them like scales. And right after that, immediately he went to church and he preached in the synagogues. I, I don't even know at the time if he was qualified to preach in the synagogues because just a few days earlier, this was the same man who killed Christians. But as soon as God gets a hold of you, As soon as God gets a hold of you, you're a new creation. Your destiny changes. You're calling because His calling. And can I tell you today, I believe that God's about to do something immediately in somebody's life today. I believe that something immediately is about to happen in the church today. Is there anybody in the sanctuary that says, I want God immediately to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. I want God immediately to use me greater than I even set out to be used. Somebody say yes. I need you to get up on your feet and I need you to raise both hands to Jesus right now and I want you to begin to pray for an immediate move of God in this sanctuary. Oh God, if you could do it for Saul, then Lord, I need you to do it today. God, if you could...